Damn, son, where'd you find this? Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 26 of the Fly Route Podcast. I am your host, Anthony, a.k.a. Tony Playboy, a.k.a. the Brooklyn Bounce Back. And I'm joined here by one of my nearest and dearest friends, Demarcus, a.k.a. Nigga Marcus, a.k.a. Myers Leonard's sensitivity training officer. You got any AKAs for yourself? AKA mask off, because the mask mandate has been lifted in Texas. If I feel so inclined. What? No, talk your shit. Talk your shit. If I feel so inclined, I can go shopping without a mask. Now, to be clear, I'm not some crazy person. I believe in the pandemic. I would not go shopping without a mask. Um, and I'm fully vaccinated. <laughs> but I just thought I'd put that in there. Speaking of mask off, right, recently... Adam Silver has said that NBA players who get vaccinated will no longer have to go through contact tracing protocol. Clearly, this is an effort to promote players taking the vaccine. We have seen that basically none of them are interested in doing this. Do you think, A, this is going to work? But me, B, most importantly, is this even a good idea? Yes and yes. Uh, I think really quickly, good idea. CDC protocols got released this week. Say people who are vaccinated can gather indoors without social distancing or mask off. So I think it it will work as far as the public health standpoint goes. As far as if it can convince players to get it, I don't know that it will be an overwhelming difference. But some people who are on the fence might be pushed to people who are tired of the protocols, all the mask wearing, the hand washing, the distancing. They may be a little done with this it's been a year for everybody and just get it just to get it over with and i totally get that other people will get it for family etc that they maybe they can't see because they're with their team i think it'll help some people but if you don't want it i don't think that if you are vehemently opposed to it for whatever other reason you're not going to get it because of this okay we have an exciting show today for all of you all we are going to get into the controversial story of Myers Leonard, who recently said an ethnic slur on his t- Twitch stream. We are going to give you the RPO run pass option segment where we get into the biggest story headlines of news in the week and let you know whether we are going to run with them or pass on them. We are going to give you the fly route for now released. Texans receiver Wolf Fuller the fifth. Yeah, they get the I thought fifth. it was the fourth. V is a five. V is a five. I thought it was IV. Oh, I thought it was just V. Mm, we have to check on that. All right, we are gonna give you our All Star Sunday recap. Let you know how we felt about the entire event, and last but not least, give you a big ballers bouquet for Joel Embiid. The, 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 the fly route pod. The fly route pod. The fly route pod. The fly route pod. Welcome to the tea off. Oh, spill that tea, sis. This is how we like to start our show off. We like to spill some tea on our favorite athletes and the situations they get themselves into. Today's tea off subject is Myers Leonard. You're familiar with Myers Leonard? Yeah, solid player. Lots right. of playoff games. I watched him. Former lottery pick. 
Mm-hmm. Number 11 for the Trailblazers has never been a standout player, but has is a guy going on 10 years in the league. So he's clearly doing something right. Seven footer can shoot the three is getting him the contracts that he wants, but he's never really been that important. He's never really drove the media cycle before. Well, once before, but we'll get Hmm. to that later. So why is Myers Leonard currently driving the media cycle? This is because Myers Leonard used an anti-Semitic slur while playing call of duty the other night. Basically, because he died in the game. Like, he's like 29, a grown-ass man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, and, like, he, the word he uses, we'll refer to it as the K-word. He calls somebody a fucking K-word bitch. And, I, I look, don't worry. It's the fly route. You know we come with the receipts. Here's some audio. Let's go, baby. Cowards, don't snipe me, you fucking kike bitch. <laughs> I just dropped that on my head. That didn't even go to fucking, um anyways. He said it so casually, we have to believe he this is not the first nor the last time he will utter that phrase. And he paused, which meant he had to think about a word. Like he pulled up his like you know like the Call of Duty roller desk with the circle of all the weapons. He pulled up his like I want to call them racial slurs Rolodex. <laughs> Scroll through that it. One. He was like, can't say a nigga. <laughs> can't roll it. It was oh, like, no, you'll get in 2021. You are instantly canceled for that. But this, this can somehow escape the news cycle because Dr. Seuss is more important than, than this doctors. Oh my gosh. So look, <laughs> and this video immediately went viral about 30 minutes later on his stream. He gets a call from his wife the, the video reaction of him and his wife being like, what the fuck did you just do, Myers? Because <laughs> my Twitter is blowing up. <laughs> and he gets off and just like, man, what a word to choose. Like, I don't think I've heard this word since possibly high school or college, but I automatically knew what it meant, knew how it was used. And it's just like, he really does pause and say it with conviction. No, and I knew the word background. You know this. I studied history in college. Mm-hmm. My focus was World War II and the Holocaust. I studied every facet of anti-Semitism that you could to understand what happened. And knowing the history of it, this is not... I, well, first off, these views are much more common than we believe. Just like we saw all the racist folks come out the past four years, there are a lot of anti-Semitic folks who are also racist who were in that same party. Because a lot of the stuff online, the QAnon, the Trumpers, it's all about racism, really, and anti-Semitism. They're like, yeah, George Soros. But really, they're, they're like the rich Jews. And so these, these things are being pushed a lot. And Myers is someone on the other side who we, NBA players are typically more liberal, who believes some of these things, perhaps. Okay. And so... Pretty quick, like within the next 48 hours of this popping up, he starts losing sponsorships. He starts losing like a lot of things. Let's go into the details. So first he loses a sponsorship from Origin PC, which is a computer company. Then Scuff Gaming, which is a controller company who also sponsors him. And he was giving out like kind of like their headsets and stuff on his stream, etc. They drop him as well. Uh, and then... Astro Gaming and FaZe Clan. And FaZe Clan, it was really big because Myers Leonard is actually an investor in FaZe Clan. 
and both of them have decided to part ways with Myers Leonard, even though he's an investor in one of the groups, because their views and their company standards do not align with his word choices, right? People are obviously calling for immediate action for him to be suspended, etc. And to be clear, this is something that's very important is that there will be really no immediate ramification for him outside of a monetary fine MBA wise, mostly due to the part that he is currently recovering from shoulder surgery, has not played most of this year and is not expected to play the rest of this year. So for the most part, he's just kind of a cheerleader on the bench currently. However, the Heat did like next day say that he would be indefinitely spending time away from the team. It's not an official suspension. It's not an official punishment. They were just like, bruh, the season's about to start back up tomorrow. Just don't show your face. You know who he needs? Who? Olivia Pope. Can Olivia Pope fix this one? Oh, yeah. She you, can do it. Yeah, you know she can. <laughs> no, he is going to have to have the NBA is not going to force him to do anything except for pay a fine. But they'll probably donate that fine to some organization that fights anti-Semitism. But he needs to go out of his way. He probably needs to make a press release. He probably needs to commit to going to treatment to, you know, be deprogrammed for his anti-Semitic ways. That's why I gave you your AKA. I I see now. I see now. Maybe he needs me. (laughs) That's what I'm trying to say. Myers. Somebody connect us on Twitter. Have him hit me up. (laughs) Maybe I need a new gig. Have some experience in this area. <laughs> um, but he's going to have to commit to going through some kind of program, counseling, something. You know how this goes. The, the, oh, I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry for uh, the words and actions on uh, on my stream. And I've committed to blah, 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 blah. You know how this is going to go. He needs someone it to do that for It has went already. Him. Trust me. And it's no good. Uh, but like, I just want to be, I just want to start off with a pretty honest and candid conversation, especially because cancel culture is so hot right now. So first and foremost is that, let's just be honest, everyone has said something that they should not have said in this type of way or phrase, etc. before in the privacy of their own homes, mm-hmm. around people they trust. Like, I don't know who says this, but like, you got to just understand that all your white friends have said nigga before. Mm, almost certainly. Every single last one of them, whether it's just like, Getting shot in Call of Duty, stubbing their toe, being frustrated, like someone cuts them off in like traffic. I can every just hear single I can hear one of them and have said it's it. always hard art, hard hard as fuck art. <laughs> so it, it, it it's like, look, the difference between that and this is that not every single one of us has decided to say something like this in a public forum on a stream for thousands of people while being a representative of a huge multi-billion dollar organization like the NBA. It's one of the biggest mistakes, but let me tell you, the pandemic and being on video and having your laptop, mic, and camera on at all times has led to some pretty ridiculous things being caught on camera in front of people. I'm sure you've all heard about the, the man who was on a Zoom call for work <laughs> and uh, pulled out the 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 blicky. Yes, yes, <laughs> that 
and he thought his camera was off which by the first off i'm like even if your camera is off why are you doing that while you're on the work meeting you can't wait 30 minutes <laughs> he had a busy day he was very backed up <laughs> So, this is not the first time, it will not be the last time someone does something ridiculous in front of a camera and a microphone. Me, personally, I, maybe I'm just particularly cautious, or maybe it's my anxiety. Who knows? Before I say anything, sometimes I'll look around the room, check to make sure Zoom and Teams are both just closed, my phone is off, and then I'd be like, okay, let, let me let me really let me, speak my mind. Let me, let me tell you something. Let me drop some knowledge on you, the truth. Because sometimes you can't, you can't say some of these things when cameras. You have to always assume, and in this eight day and age, there's a camera and everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. And you have to always assume it's on and you're being recorded. Especially somebody famous, you should just expect that. Fuck it, he put the camera on himself, yes. nigga, on his own stream. Yes, did it to himself. Yes. Now, more importantly, is not every single one of these people who might end up in a situation like this has garnered attention in the past for the same reason why Myers Leonard has. A.K.A. he should have known better. Exactly. So earlier during the bubble, the entire Miami Heat team was wearing Black Lives Matter shirts, Mm -hmm. kneeling for the anthem in solidarity against police brutality and violence going on against black people. Myers Leonard was the only person on the team that refused to kneel with anybody else and instead stood and, like, put his hand on his chest, like the Pledge of the Allegiance shit, right? Go. That's T- everything time, I need to know time. about this man. That's I'm not saying we should cancel him. I don't think that people I disagree with should be canceled, but I ain't going to fuck with him no more. Okay. I, look, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think that this backdrop about what he's done in the past is actually very important for this conversation. At the time, Leonard said, and I want to quote, is... He stood against bigotry, racism, and hate, but that his decision to stand during the national anthem came from a place of supporting the military, not counter-protesting the Black Lives Movement. He has family in the military that served in Afghanistan, but God, when are white people going to figure out that supporting the military is not a good counter-argument or excuse for the anthem kneeling thing? Because it has nothing to do with the military. Colin Kaepernick cleared it with a person in the military before. And it is still a movement centered around bringing awareness to the unjust mass killing of African Americans in this country. Your support for the military is not tied to that at all. Two things. Number one, that is an excuse flat out. Not a reason, an excuse. We've been through this for literally four years now. It is very clear this is not about the military in any way whatsoever. But also, let's talk about the military. We can't criticize them neither. Like they haven't poisoned black men in experiments. So you can you still defend them. Talk it. So even even if they're true, oh, the military, we can't criticize them. What's wrong? with They do terrible things all the time and they should be criticized and held to account for that. Anybody should. Okay, I'm I'm with you. So now that I add this backstory to the Myers Leonard story, now what do you think in a reasonable punishment should be? And more importantly, should 
punishing him be divorced from his past actions? No, I don't think you can divorce punishment from past action. Past action is the best indicator of future behavior. If this has happened before and you've not received a swift and harsh punishment and you've done it again, then obviously it has not been internalized for you. Well, the first one, he was clearly socially punished, but he did nothing that could punish him by contract, by well, rules, like contra- like conduct detrimental to the team. All the sports team put it in the contracts is the way they can void stuff, take stuff from you, etc. It's like, don't do anything that kind of fucks up our image. He is he is actively done it with this situation. He did not in the prior situation, even though socially you could say socially his conduct was detrimental, but not contractually, not kind of the way that things are lined up now. But even if there was no official punishment, the social ostracization apparently wasn't enough to dissuade him from doing dumb things in front of the camera before. And I'm not, I'm not saying if you are, if he's deep down a racist, which I don't know, I'm not going to make that call. He's just showing us things that make it seem like he is. But if that's who he is deep down, you can't really change that. What you can change, though, is his outward image and what he projects, because that kind of language and projection helps other people who believe that come out the woodwork and make it much more public, harass people, et cetera, et cetera. And so having him, for example, I think it should be a suspension. It's the NBA, so... Maybe six six games. That's 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 a that's a big enough slap on the wrist to make you wake up. You're gonna lose your game check. We're gonna fine you. That fine's gonna go to an anti-Semitic organization, and you got to go through a program. And if I'm the he plays for the Heat right now. If I'm the Heat, you're going on every single NBA cares community thing for the next for every every second we have you. You're never skipping another event. You have to be on full image rehab, and you have to particularly. Go sponsor a bunch of Jewish events. So, two things to note. The owner of the Miami Heat is Jewish. Mm-hmm. Right? So, not only was he just insulting Jewish people, he assaulted his boss while doing it. And more importantly, I agree with you on the suspension thing. I think the way that it functionally works is the suspension is the fine. It basically... Like, he's not going to play any games this year, but he is still with the team. You suspend him for a set number of games. He loses those game checks. Mm -hmm. That equals out the fine. Makes it make sense. But the worst, the interesting part is he recently signed a two-year, $19.5 million uh, contract with Miami. The second year is a team option. So at the end of the season, if that team option is not picked up, Miami kind of just washes their hands of him moves past the whole situation and no longer has to really kind of account for him. He never, he can basically never play in a Miami uniform again, which is itself a form of punishment. And I don't think if Miami did that, it would be unreasonable. Not even, I think even absent this incident, like if you are an injured player who has not contributed and we can get out of your contract next season to save money, they might do it anyways even like without this situation. And it will probably be a lot harder for him to find a job once you're on the free market that soon after an issue. Because that stank is still on you. Mm -hmm. So this is where we get to the like, you know, standard actions and procedures. Of course, the first thing is the Instagram photo apology. The the screenshot of your notes app. Yeah. yeah. And I got to say, this apology was lackluster and shitty in basically every way that it can be. 
I, I'm going to do quotes because these quotes are very important. The first thing he says is, I am deeply sorry for using an anti-Semitic slur during a live stream yesterday. I'm like, facts. There we go. You're deeply sorry. Use the well, anti-Semitic slur. Why, why are you qualifying it? Like, we know why he, like, when he said it. And it feels like whenever people add on conditions to an apology, it doesn't feel genuine. Like, you should just be, I'm sorry I used the slur. I, well, it's like, I'm sorry I used the slur yesterday. <laughs> yes, basically. Like, this one incident. Uh-huh. I'm sorry I got caught that one time. I mean, hey, look, but what's more important is he says, while I didn't know what the word meant at the time, my ignorance about its history and how offensive it is to the Jewish community is absolutely not an excuse and I was just wrong. Then why are you bringing it up? Why are you making the excuse? <laughs> yes. I didn't know what the word meant. I knew where to put it in a sentence. I knew how to have proper fucking syntax using that word. But I but didn't know what the... Then why were you using it? I knew it was a slur. I knew it was an insult. I put it between fucking and bitch. You fucking hoe-ass bitch. Hoe-ass is definitely going to be the insult, uh, insult you can't be like, I'm so sorry. I didn't understand the history of the word hoe. Like, no, you don't get to say that. What? You don't get to say that. (laughs) Like, you put it so perfectly into this sentence to express your rage in this moment that obviously you knew what you were doing. Yeah, not buying it. I would would not be surprised if especially the younger generation of people, which are a lot of NBA fans now, did not know about this word. We're not familiar with this word, but Myers Leonard is 29. He old enough to know at least that the word is not a good word that's used commonly. And that it's used against Jewish people because you literally never hear it used in another way. It's not like nigga. It's not been reappropriated and like mainstream and used all the time in positive ways. That oh, word man. only has a negative connotation. And uh, look, the rest of it doesn't really matter. But, le- le- but, le- but, let's, but let's go into it. He goes, I am now more aware of its meaning. And I'm committed to properly seeking out people who can help educate me about this type of hate and how we can fight it. I acknowledge and own my mistake. And there's no running from something like this that is so hurtful to someone else. This is not a proper representation of who I am. Was the anthem standing thing a proper representation of who you are? Or the previous incident? Like, I mean, because these incidents don't really say that you're much a different, different Seems like a person. Pattern. I got three events. Right. I got evidence. Right. So and he, of course, said, I promise to do better and know that my future actions will be more powerful than my use of this word. Like, obviously, the Heat then, like, said he's away from the team. The NBA decided to investigate. And like, that's kind of where we are now. We'll see what official punishments come down later. I don't expect it to be more than a fine. That's how the league has dealt with these things in the past. Like, you know, NBA players using the F word as a slur against gay people. It's been handled through fines. And those fines usually are tied to like game suspensions. You lose the game checks and they keep it moving. I feel like the way the precedent has been set, that's basically what I expect from the league. Now, I have a special little extra part of this segment for you, DeMarcus, called Stupid shit white people say on Twitter. Ah, ah, hit me. All right. Where was this energy when Trez called Luca a bitch ass white boy? Oh my God. That's, <laughs> that's not even close to the same. How is, how is white boy a slur? <laughs> Next. Thank you. 
I just wanted to end it with something a little funny. That was your tee off. Ooh, 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 spit that tea, ooh, sis. Spit that tea, ooh. sis. Y'all, it's Tony Playboy. All right, we are going to kick the show off with the RPO, Run Pass Option segment. This is where we give you all the biggest storylines and sports news of the week and let you know whether we are going to run with them or pass on them. All right, all right, Demarcus, the wait is finally over. You know, you've doubted, you've worried, you probably cried about this at some point in time, but that... Prescott has finally signed a long-term deal with the Cowboys. Four years, $160 million, putting him right under Patrick Mahomes. How are you feeling right now? Run or pass? Oh, oh, run. Surprisingly on this. Uh, I feel great. This was the deal that Dak wanted. I said from the beginning he wanted a four-year deal. The more details that have come out this week, it's all about the new TV money that's coming. There is, and we can get into that some other time, but there's um, going to be new negotiations for TV money in the NFL. They think we're going to have a salary cap spike, much like the NBA did in 2016. And so people are saying, even though this looks like a really big contract now, people are like, it's bad. They can't win with this contract. He's taking up too much money. If the salary does indeed, the salary cap does indeed spike, this will look like a very reasonable deal for a top 10 kind of realm quarterback. And when the next crop get paid, the Lamars, et cetera, it's in Bakers and whoever else, this is going to look real reasonable. Okay. Okay. And it's good to note that he also gave them a nice haircut year one, only a $22 million cap hit. And that's the year they're really going to need the cap money. Yeah, the, the real push is what the Cowboys eventually got caved and got in this money. So they basically tacked on two years at the end that are voidable years. So it's really a six-year contract. So they can spread out that huge $66 million signing bonus over all six seasons as opposed to four. And that helps lessen that cap number. All right. You know, y'all heard about him if you've listened to the pod before. But former tee-off victim Isaiah Wilson has recently been traded to the Miami Dolphins for a seventh-round draft swap. Not a pick, a swap. The Titans are getting the Dolphins' seventh-round pick this year. They'll get the Titans next year. Do you think Miami is the place for him to finally get on track and set his career on the right path? I'll pass. pass. I'm going to pass. I'm going to let the man live. But... They basically traded the man for a bag of chips. That they're going to have to give back later. Yes. They're like, <laughs> like mm. might you be? They wouldn't even like, we traded you for a seventh. We said a seventh and a pick swap. So really, we just wanted you gone. <laughs> but I'll let the man live. All right. And news that just broke tonight. LaMarcus Aldridge and the Spurs are expected to part ways. Tim McMahon was the one that first broke the story. And I'm interested can LaMarcus Aldridge be a game changer on the leaderboards in the NBA season this year, this year? Run or pass? Oh, I'm going to run. I I think this is the right decision for both sides. All the stories that at least, you know, we record on Wednesday. And so all the things that I've had access to, it's about 10 o'clock on, a, on Wednesday. And so everything that I've read says 
it's mutual. You know, he's been injured a lot this season. He's had, I think, a quad and a hamstring or a calf or something like that. Hasn't played in many games. He's 35 years old. He's on an expiring deal. The Spurs are, I think, 18 and 14 right now. So pretty good for the personnel they have, but not going to make a run this season. And at this point in his career, maybe he is a player who wants a chance. And so I think a contender is going to try to sign him to create some depth uh, in the front court. This um, it's kind of stretch run at the end of the season. I think they will find a trade partner and he will be moved uh, for very little and probably take a haircut off his salary. But I think this is good. Okay, that was actually my most important question for you. Like, do you think he was going to go the way of Blake with the buyout or do you think they're actually going to be able to get something back for him? I think they will do a little a combination of both. I think that maybe he has a $24 million expiring contract. Uh, I assume there's probably 10 to $12 million left to pay on that contract. So maybe they do something where it's a 50% deal. They, they buy him out of half of the deal and trade him and or let him go, depending on what happens. I think they will try to appear as they're not going to let him go for nothing so they can get something back. They're a young team who needs more assets to get better. And so I think it makes sense for them, though. All right. Now... We like talking about the tag here. We mm-hmm. can't help it. And recently, some Packers players, Adrian Amos, he plays safety for the Packers, and David Bacciari were going into the tag on Twitter. And I actually like this exchange. And Amos is saying that the franchise tag should be abolished and only the transition tag should remain because teams should not be able to prevent you from interacting with other teams once you're a free agent. And this is something that you'll probably like. Batiari's reply to this was, we had our chance during the CBA, but enough players did not think that it was a high enough priority. On Amos's tag proposal, and or, I'm going to get you get the, you know, it's a little read option here, and or Batiari's response, run or pass. I'm going to run. This is obviously something I feel some kind of way about. I think... Well, first, I don't think we should get a, get rid of the tag. I, we've had this conversation before, like months ago. So you go back and listen to those episodes. Uh, Fly Route Pod on Spotify and iTunes Music or whatever. Uh, but no, they shouldn't get rid of it. The players did have their chance. I think the, the, the tag is such a big deal for the owners that they won't want to relinquish it. The I, well, I mean, we've talked about, you know, the start of free agency and even how player mobility has become more of the norm. Guys, even more and more in the NFL, are being able to almost force their way off of teams. And so I th- I think the owners want to maintain the last little bit of control they have with the, the franchise tag. And I think also ultimately it, ho- it helps players. Uh, for example, you saw what happened with Dak and Kirk Cousins as two examples where the franchise tag is so prohibitively expensive. It provides teams an incentive to get a long-term deal done sometimes. It did not help Cousins. He well, left. He had to leave and well, get his money somewhere else. He he did get it somewhere else, but the two years under the because the basic the basic idea is when we talked about this before the two years basically that most teams will that max tag you with helps lay the foundation for your contract. So I don't think without the tag years that Kirk Cousins gets a three year eighty some odd million dollar fully guaranteed contract. And so I think in the long run it has helped boost the kind of trend of players constantly making more money in this league. And I think this, you know, for example, is a big problem in the NBA right now. Teams can't figure out how to keep their star player who's about to hit the market. And if you have a way to force them to stay an extra year to try to work things out, a it sounds bad, 
But I think ultimately it it ends up helping both sides more than it hurts. Okay, I got two things for you. First, does a transition tag, right, a tag that allows you to get an offer elsewhere and the team gets first right of refusal on the offer not still function in the same way that they can keep their talent as long as they're willing to pay their talent? It might explode it too much because you once you let the door open to a bidding war, then that's what happens. The the problem. So is it really better for the players if the Amos proposal means that there's only the transition tag, which causes those bidding wars? So the, here's the distinction I want to make. So if we have a world in which there's just a transition tag and there's bidding, I would argue if, for example, a team like the Cowboys or the Washington football team have that tag in place on a player like Dak or Kirk, the bidding starts and let's say the bidding ends up going higher than the franchise tag would have been. I see a lot of teams, especially a team like Green Bay, being like, no, thank you. You can go. And there's no guarantee that, I mean, the idea is that there's no guarantee that that offer will be higher than the cap or that the team that has you will be willing to negotiate in that scenario because the whole point of the franchise tag is to not let you hit the open market and find out what your value is. And so, and and, and for the, at least the big name positions, the skill positions, it's great. Maybe for other guys, the offensive linemen, the safeties, et cetera, it's not as good because they would probably make more money. But for the skill position, the quarterback, wide receiver, running back, I think it's great for them. All right. And second is Dak's contract has a no tag clause. Mm-hmm. Do you think that becomes a more frequent trend in the NFL? Absolutely. Especially for players getting that second contract. They want to make sure they can hit free agency again when they want to, which is what Dak wants to do. The contract has a lot of different provisions in it. He can, I think, make up to 164 million. There's a no, there's a no, I want to say trade or tag clause. Mm -hmm. And so he has the ultimate control over his career, which is what any player would want. So I do think this will be more frequent, but only for the top end players. Okay. So we kind of referenced it just now, but Green Bay. So Green Bay made the decision not to tag running back Aaron Jones. My question for you is, does this kind of penny-pinching thing in Green Bay kind of make Aaron Ro- – or does this upset Aaron Rodgers? And if so, what is the team's possible response, run or pass? I'm going to say run, and I'm surprised they didn't tag him. A lot of people are surprised that mm-hmm. he was not tagged, particularly because the tag price – for running backs was actually pretty cheap. It was only $11 million that they tagged him for this year. And unless the Packers believe that they're going to be able to get Aaron Jones back on maybe a longer term deal that's less money, so like maybe it's eight or nine, right? Million dollars a year, maybe it's three years or so. And that long term money makes a him willing to stay, not test the open markets a lot or leave. Or B, just like helps them with their cap situation, which we know they're in a problem for not having to deal with all 11 up front. If that's the case, fine. However, it is a very risky play because there are a lot of teams in a really weak running back free agent market that can give him money. Places like the Dolphins, places Mm -hmm. like the Jets who need an RB1 really bad and have the cap space in a situation where not many teams have the cap space and there are not many other 
running backs on the open market that can dilute the cost of a running back. So I think he's going to be super highly sought out for. And if they lose him, Aaron Rodgers is going to be livid. He already mentioned after losing the conference championship to the Bucks that this was the type of thing that he did not want to see. He mentioned people like Aaron Jones, Corey Lindsey, all by name, and they will probably lose both of them now. And mark my words here, if they do this, Green Bay does not make it back to the conference championship next year, and they regress significantly. And that's not even me being down on A.J. Dillon. No, I thought the run game was important for them last year. I agree. I think Jones will get more than $11 million a year on the market. They should attack them. So let's go back to someone in the NBA who was, in fact, a free agent, essentially, this past week. Blake Griffin, who surprised and shocked the world by going to Brooklyn. That was not on our radar. I'll no, say it. No, no. Or in most people that I talked to. Will Blake help add depth to Brooklyn that guarantees they're in the conference finals or the finals for you? Runner pass. If pass. If you're if you're saying does he change anything on Brooklyn dramatically, pass. Look, people are really hype about this move. I am not one of them. The thing that Blake can add to a team, we talked about this, is his ability to create plays, pass the ball, find his shots, etc. This the last thing Brooklyn needs is another ball handler or someone to create shots for other people on their on the court. The Second last thing that Brooklyn needs is more offense. They're the most offensively efficient team in NBA history. The one thing everybody knows that Brooklyn needs is defense. And that is what they did not get in this trade. That is not who Blake Griffin is now. And that's not who Blake Griffin was at his peak. He's never been a defensive stopper. He was more of a rim protector then and definitely is not now. However... What I will say is, this is still a good move for the Nets. They get Blake Griffin, who has a lot of upside, at a vet minimum contract. They did not even have to use their mid-level exception on Blake Griffin. So they still have their mid-level exception. They got him for the vet minimum, which means that just cost-wise, this is an excellent addition to their team. Gives them depth in the front court. Allows them to experiment with other lineups that they can obviously use and i'm going to say this again and i'm going to keep saying this but this is not even their final form yet (laughs) this is not even brooklyn's final form yet they still have the minimum the mid-level exception they still also have more cap space for this year on top of that and now what they're short on is roster spots not cap which was the opposite situation they were before in which they needed more roster. They needed to fill the roster spots. And instead, a bunch of people um, got released, came back on 10 days, and it's going to get even better. Quick follow-up question for you on that then. If this is not their final form and you see them making more moves, what are the one or two moves you think Brooklyn needs to make to actually aid them in their run to the playoffs this uh in the finals, possibly, this season. So they're going to want someone that can defend the rim, and they're going to probably want somebody that can play good perimeter defense consistently. Like, that's why you're out on the court. 
And I think those two things can come in people like JaVale McGee, who think people think might be bought out, Andre Drummond, who people think might be bought out. Um, and then I'm not sure where they'll get the perimeter defense from. It's Those are generally the guys that don't get bought out. Someone that can play high-level perimeter defense. And Roberson kind of? Well, he came off an injury. So I think... I already told you I made my way too early prediction on him that I think he's going to, when he gets his feet back under him, actually be able to make some real defensive plays for this team. Uh, I am, I am I hope I'm still right about that. I haven't got to see many more minutes from him since I made that prediction. But I think they'd be fine just having that strong rim protection because The way this team has gotten better on defense is they're willing to switch everything. On the outside, they'll switch everything, funnel somebody into a strong rim protector. That is a defensive strategy that is enough for this team to win with how offensively gifted they are. Now, speaking of winning in playoff basketball, there have been a few times in NBA history where the referees have been the weakest link when it comes to the integrity of basketball. A few? A few. The past year or so, there have been a lot of louder and louder complaints about NBA referees. Some might even say they are out of pocket. Way, way, way. Run or pass on the NBA problems with the referees. Okay. Let's run on this one only because as we were getting towards the tail end of the first half of the season, things were kind of getting even worse and more out of control there was like in the same week, I want to say Trez got a tech for yelling and one, right? Which I don't understand how any game could literally finish with enough players on each side. Just like even naturally, not even intentionally, yeah. you just and one. Yeah, you you supposed that's how you flex on him. Like, yeah, that's you how say you call for the one. foul. You yeah. call your foul. But like it wasn't like he said he got in the rest face and yell and one. He literally like regular basketball play felt this dude touch him and yell and what and he ain't get it sure but it wasn't even like he threw a fit about not getting it he didn't get the chance to throw his fit you know what i mean and of course there was donovan mitchell getting ejected in an overtime game against the lakers which is like prime time things that everybody wants to see that's never how you want to see that game end and Even going back to the bubble last year, we saw them kind of ruin games and series. Porzingis being ejected early Mm. in the Mavericks versus the Clippers series. That changed the complexion of that series. The Mavericks were giving the Clippers real work. The business. And the Clippers could have melted down even earlier in the bubble. Except for they never got to end that game with Porzingis. And then he didn't play much on from then. He got hurt the next week and that was it. Exactly. So I think that like hopefully the NBA tries to do something about this, whether it's a memo to the referees, whether it's as the season goes on, this might become important because if you rack up enough ejections, they become suspensions. So Mm -hmm. maybe some post-game reviews, especially for the people like Trez and Draymond who don't get a lot of leash when it comes to things like text and ejections because of the type of player that they're seen as, even in situations where they ain't do nothing wrong. 
So, and what everybody really wants to see is like some way that you try to actually penalize the ref- uh, officiating committee for making egregious mistakes. And that's probably the least likely fix we will ever see. So one quick thing I want to add is last time this happened was in the mid the mid 2000s. There were problems like Rashid Wallace had lots of problems with the refs and would complain about them. There were questions about Donahue and like the Lakers King series and like I want to say 03 and came out later on. Yes. Sheed, Sheed, after all his complaining, he would get similar texts. And after, you know, now 10, 15 years later, he was like, yeah, I was right. I wasn't crazy. And so I think we're going to have something like that happen for us in five or 10 years where something will come out about the refs, whether it be their training or maybe somebody getting a little money. I don't know what it is. I'm not making any accusations. I don't know anything. But uh, I don't see why we won't have a, something similar that Draymond in 10 years won't be like, yeah, I was right. I wasn't crazy. And he, he won't look crazy. That's the problem with people like Sheed and Draymond and Trez is that even though that you are not crazy, sometimes you be doing crazy shit, nigga. And you know it. And we all know it. Okay, the kicking with Draymond was a little out there. The one on Steven Adams, yes. <laughs> he he should have been suspended. I still to this day believe that the NBA overcorrected for a mistake that they made in the series prior where they should have suspended Draymond. And the officiating, quote unquote, changed the outcome of that finals. It did. It did. Draymond was actually on first take this week and said, I still believe that me, Steph, and Clay, the three of us, has not been beaten in an NBA Finals before. When we're that's, all healthy, we're all there. I know you'll love that, and I know oh, you'll oh. believe that's true. Where's the but, lie? <laughs> like, I'm just saying, that's the problem with that was like they kind of overcompensated for making the past mistake. But the problem with players who sometimes do some crazy shit is that sometimes when you're in the line, they've moved the goalpost way closer for you to get out of it because of your past instances. And I think... That's a bad way to officiate, mm-hmm. to be clear. Like, football side, Sue gets the same thing on the football side. Because he has done some things that he should not have ha- should not have done. And now when he's on the borderline, people always want to be like, that's classic Sue. Even though, especially in more recent years, he's been way more on the, like, I don't know what, line, what side of the line you want to say, but the reasonable side of the line. But that was your RPO. Let's keep it moving. Let's 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 not play, boy. All right, all right. Let's get into the fly route for today. Will Fuller now released from the Texans. Another exodus from this mass shit show, and he's a free agent. He's going to be one of the best wide receivers on the market this year. And he's definitely going to be one of the fastest wide receivers on the market this year. So I think a lot of teams will be clamoring for this guy. DeMarcus, what is the fly route for Will Fuller? Will Fuller is taking his talents to South Beach. I think the Dolphins would be a great fit for him and it would be a great fit for the Dolphins. So from the Dolphins perspective, they've got a young quarterback in Tua. And there has been a lot of talk about this theory that teams have now realized to win in this league, you've got to do it while your quarterback is on their rookie deal. Now, or they're Tom Brady. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So for the Dolphins, you got to be like, okay, we have some solid defense, but could get better, but have some talent there. We got some 
Byron Jones, et cetera, in the secondary. We got some decent D linemen, but our wide receivers are are awful. Like our skill position players are mostly unnamed, anonymous dudes that if we walked by them in a Walmart or at the mall, you wouldn't know they played for the Dolphins. Show Devontae Parker a little. Love. Okay, he's the only one. Yes. He's the only one who has any name recognition whatsoever. You know, other guys they have include like Kirk Merritt, Mac Hollins. Stop me when you know when no, you know no, someone's no, name. No, I stopped at the <laughs> one name that I knew. <laughs> and so from the Dolphins' perspective, they really, really need a big number one wide receiver to come in because I don't see them necessarily targeting that in the draft or any kind of clearing away wide receivers being there. I think the best receiver in the draft is actually a tight end. We'll talk about that at some point when we get to the draft. But I think they need a wide receiver in a big way. They have the cap space to get it done. I think they have somewhere between $27 and $33 million of cap, depending on you know who makes the final roster, one or two cuts here or there. And so I think they can offer him you know, $12, $13, 14000000 million a year to play wide receiver for them. He instantly comes in and he's the number one option in that wide receiver room. He creates better open targets for Tua, uh, who young quarterback still learning the ropes and had some rough end of games in the second half of the season. From Will's perspective, you know when you go there, you're the number one guy. And you know receivers, they love to be a number one guy, get all their targets and their receptions and get his numbers. What's going to scare some teams off is, well, we talked about this on a tee-off here, is Will full of them drugs. (laughs) And he has got a six-game suspension to start the 2021 season that he will have to serve no matter what team he is on. So I think that will lower some of his initial value, but I think there will still be a bidding war for him. And I say his best option is the Dolphins. I think he gets a lot of money out of them. I think he gets his numbers and gets the recognition he deserves as a talent. And I think he is that talented if he can stay healthy. And so for for me, the fly route on Will Fuller is the Miami Dolphins. Okay. The logic I follow. And I think a lot of the similar logic brought me to where I'm at. I say it's the Indianapolis Colts. For very similar reasons. The Colts need a new wide receiver. One, T.Y. Hilton has kind of fallen off some. He's at the end of his deal. They'd have to bring him back. And if they did, it'd probably be a significantly less money. He still would not be more talented than Will Fuller is. The Colts, in combination with that, have all the money in the world. They have the fifth most cap space in the NFL. So that means that if he needs, if he wants to get that larger deal... He definitely can get it from them, and they have the ability to address this position. The third is the coaching staff is offensive-minded, and he can excel within that system. We also know, outside of T.Y. Hilton, there is little name recognition for the receivers that are in Indy. They have Michael Pittman, who actually had a pretty good season last year, and I think that he will take the next step and mesh well with Fuller, and then they have Paris Campbell. What they need is someone to take the top off the defense. They do not have that on the Colts roster at all right now. And that's where Will Fuller specializes. His game is in his speed. And now check this out. The Colts really want him because of Carson Wentz. Now, this is the thing. Carson Wentz has shown very clearly what he can do when he has that deep threat on the field, right? 
when it was Carson Wentz and Deshaun Jackson. Mm-hmm. When they played together, they went nuts. And not this past season where he was sat, but the season before where people thought they first saw their regression from Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz was ranked ninth at deep ball accuracy in the league for two straight years prior to this last season. And you got to think about this. Those aren't Wentz at his best seasons. Those are not the MVP season we keep talking about that we have not seen yet. That is post that injury. He is a deep ball hog. He wants to take that chance. He wants to be that gunslinger. And if you have a receiver that's going to win those matchups frequently, he's going to eat. That's the problem with Philly the last couple of years. They have not had that receiver because Deshaun Jackson hasn't been able to stay healthy. And they can't draft a receiver to save their life. <laughs> Look, I still like Rager. I'm not out on yet. Okay, that's fair. All right, it's too early to be out on Rager yet. But like, and outside of D-Jack, the only other big play threat he had was, I want to say, Torrey Smith. And him and Torrey Smith also went really well. I want to say when Torrey Smith and Deshaun Jackson played and Carson Wentz was the quarterback, he went 12-2. and two. It, It's just an integral part of his game. And Will Fuller is the best deep threat receiver on the market this year. And I think Frank Reich, who created the scheme that he played in, that he fits in, understands that that deep threat receiver is exactly what Carson Wentz needs to get that bounce back season that A, allows the Colts to take the next step forward, but B, allows that trade not to look like an exact fucking disaster. So I feel all of the kind of things fall into line. They have the money. He has a very strong role in their offense. He will mesh well with what the quarterback needs. All in all, it's the Colts, just like the roster is so good. Running back, O-line, defense, receivers and tight ends are really the main place that they can use some extra help. So, logic again on this is sound. Um, I think a couple things come into play. I think the Colts do have a lot of cap space, but this is now post-Wentz. They have a big reduction. His cap hit. For them, is still significant, I believe. In I, the, I think they're still fifth post the one scale. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even, but even outside of that, looking at the construction of the team and the division, etc., I don't know that the Colts feel they have to make that move to be competitive. Look at their division. Their division with the uh, Titans, who are solid, but nothing. They're not going to run away with it, and didn't this year. The Texans, who we are talking about, is the Titanic right now. And the Jaguars, who are probably going to take a quarterback in the draft and be rebuilding for at least the next couple of years. And so maybe the motivation isn't there, and they know they have some other guys to pay on the back end. And now with the new rollover stuff with the cap, maybe they want to save a little money. I'm not saying that they don't upgrade receiver or get T.Y. a secondary option or, you know, get Wentz a secondary option in addition to T.I. Uh, to T.Y., but I I – I'm not sure that the motivation to get a big money number one is there for the Colts. That's my only pushback. The Titans aren't bad, though. Oh, and no. And if you don't win your division in the AFC, then it becomes an onslaught. Three wildcard spots, though, from now on. Still, the AFC was the only division that had, I want to say, people were winning records that 
could not make it into the playoffs last year with the three wildcard spots. If you don't win your division, it does kind of become an onslaught because outside of your specific division of the AFC, a lot of the AFC is really good. The Patriots will probably bounce back. The Dolphins had a good season last year. They should probably repeat that good season. The Bills had an excellent season last year. We expect them to repeat that season. The Jets are terrible, so okay, that's fine. Like, uh, I, I think there's just a lot of competition in the AFC, and if you don't win your division, you end up kind of putting yourself in a way more precarious position, and the Colts have a lot to lose after making that once trade if things don't work out on the offensive side of the ball. Okay, we'll see if you are right. I would love to hear from our listeners. Let us know at the Fly Route Pod if the Fly Route for Will Fuller should be taking his talent to South Beach or if he should go to Indy with Carson Wentz and help him revive his career. Let us know on Twitter. All right, let's get into our All-Star Sunday recap. All on one day, they bum-rushed it through. All right, let's start with the three-point competition, right? Uh, you're, you're cheesing and shit because Steph won, and you called that one correctly. That's the greatest shooter of all time. He, Yes, indeed, Levine got smoked, and I was wrong. But... The My biggest takeaway from the three-point contest is it was by and far the most exciting and interesting part of All-Star Sunday. Steph winning on the last shot. It was very close. Mike Conley got to show off who he is, what he is, and why he should be there. And it made me now just know we needed half-court competition. Five sure. Five sure we need a half-court competition next year. Next year. So two things. First, I think in the uh, All-Star game, they should try to add in four-point plays and do certain spots on the court, like maybe one step over half court and have them try it out in the All-Star game. And secondly, maybe even have them play a halfway serious All-Star game or a quarter or a half to see what the four-point kind of play does to the spacing on the floor, et cetera. Do guys always want that shot will coaches let them take that shot etc i'd love to see them play around with that and i think this three-point contest and the game itself let you know that the nba is ready for that this was the almost coronation for steph in some ways and really weird people gave him mad recognition this weekend weekend that we hadn't heard before reggie miller on the on the broadcast is like steph's the greatest shooter of all time which is a great compliment. You have LeBron. Especially from Reggie Miller. Especially from Reggie Miller. You have LeBron after the game tweeting out, I'm so, like, basically, I'm so happy we finally got to play together. Hashtag, uh, you know, change the game by himself, et cetera. And coming he from. Did. And, I, I'm not disagreeing, but it's who said it that, that makes this like, I mean, during the game, he was great and having fun, and there's great pictures, and him the, the watching LeBron do the, the chalk toss. The chalk toss. Yes, it was. Uh huh. It was. The Steph Curry love party. And I'm always down for that. But I think he deserves it too. And I think he has not gotten this kind of respect in the past. 
Like during the run that they were on, he never got this kind of accolades from like current it's, guys. It's way easier to love him when he it's no down. longer has his foot on your throat. <laughs> it's it's the thing that we were talking about. Like recently stuff was like people still haven't forgot about what we did to them and they are still giving it to us even without Clay this season. And I was like, because I told you because some players felt disrespected, Demarcus. And it's way easier to be nice and love Steph when he no longer has his foot on your throat. No, but I loved it. I thought it was great. I did not expect Mike Connolly to be the the one who challenged him and for it to come down to the last shot. But I, I watched it. I watched all of that. That was yeah, that was great. I could not take my eyes off of that. That was great. All right. So then let's move on to the skills competition. I did not watch. It's the opposite of three point. It is boring. I did not watch it. And to be honest, I said I might not watch it on the pod last week. I think Sabonis won. Mm-hmm. I, That's what ESPN told me, but I don't know. I didn't yeah, see it. I, it's, it's, it's boring. But So let's spend some time on something that matters. The dunk <laughs> contest. The dunk contest. This was mid. The judging was mid. And most of the competition was mid. Right now, I, I want to double down on my Cassius Stanley take, even though he lost. Because I don't think it is hard to say that he still had the best dunk of the night. His first dunk. That was pretty good. The bounced on the floor in between the leg you jumped off of. Son, that was the best dunk of the night. And it was judged and rated so poorly. It was the most creative dunk of the night. I will say I did think the scoring was going to be different. I told you that I thought the crowd... Play that usually has an impact is not going to be there. I think that was part of it because usually the dunk is not about the technical stuff. That's not usually how it's scored. It's about the crowd reaction of how amazing it was. And I think if there had been a lot of fans there, they would have went crazy for that dunk, which I think wasn't original. I had not seen that dunk done before. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I thought other parts of the contest, though, were lax. Um, I I thought Anthony should have kissed the rim, put it in a mouth guard and kiss it. I'm, I, it's fine that he did it, but I think he should have. It would have been a better dunk if he did, but it's fine. I thought the dunk where I can't remember who did it, but they put the little like twelve foot. I may have been Anthony. The yes. little it put the ball up on this little thing, mm-hmm. this little holder, and then he knocked it. I wasn't a big fan of that. I thought that was really wild. Uh, I was like, mm, no, thank you can you. jump high. You are really talented. I could never mid. Right. Um. It was fine. You know, but. Certainly, literally, the middle of the pack as far as the three competitions. Three points, great. Skills is boring in general, and the player we want to win, the Stars, didn't win, really. And then we have the dunk contest in the middle with these three really young players who no one really knows, and they kind of underwhelmed for the most part. I agree. It really sucked that Cassius Stanley messed up his second dunk and then eventually gave up on it. He did I, like four times, didn't he? he? I think he did it about, his fourth attempt was a whole different dunk. Right. Uh, and he gave up on his plan A dunk, did his plan B dunk. You hate to see that because that's just basically conceding out. It was scored reasonably. I love the fact that they instituted the D Wade rule. Now that the final round is just you vote for your preference on the dunk instead of numbers. The, that that needs to be called the Dwayne Wade rule from this point into perpetuity. Well, it's just ranked choice voting. Which is just, no, no, no. But the only reason why they're doing it is because of D Wade and what he did with Derrick Jones Jr. last year and kind of basically fixed it for him. 
And so I, I 100% love the fact that they instituted the D-Wade rule. We need to call it that going forward. All in all, it wasn't the worst dunk contest I've seen. I just wasn't super excited watching it. Let's move on to the All-Star game. I'm going to let you give your takes first. Game was decent. I was not a fan of the end of the game. I liked the get to X score thing before, but I thought it was executed kind of poorly this time to just get to 170 because Team LeBron was they did like 24 points to get to 170 and Team KD didn't like 30 something or 40 almost points. And I was like, this is meh. And usually the end of the game is more competitive because of that. And I feel like they should have found a way to make it more even. At the you end, can't, without erasing all of Team LeBron's points, the twenty-four thing is what was supposed to make it competitive. The problem is Team Durant just got their shit blown out every single quarter. Well, team LeBron had first. Team LeBron had shooters. Uh, you understand that when we did our mock draft, my team looked way more like Team LeBron than yours did. Like I would have smoked you. I had Steph, Dame, and um, Giannis. That is perhaps the case. That, well, that that's basically the All Star. You know, game. those things are hard to predict. It's a draft. Not for me or LeBron. Okay, LeBron. Okay, let's let's <laughs> actually chat about that. Let's chat about Bron. So Bron has been one of the captains of an All Star team for the past four years. He has won all four years. Bron has, you know, we've make our jokes about him being the GM of teams and having input. They're not jokes, but. At this point, are we saying basically LeBron should at least be a GM post retirement and maybe an owner? I, I, yes, LeBron would be a good GM. No, I do not think LeBron will be a GM because his sights will be set on ownership. Do you think as an owner he's more like Mark Cuban and hands on though because of that? I think yes, but how hands on is Mark Cuban really? Um, Mark Cuban interacts with the players a ton. He sure. Uh, has a big role in, I think, more of the person side of the player as opposed to the X's and O's part. But I think that's a big part. I think LeBron would have both. I think LeBron sees himself as a mentor, a leader for young men, etc. The the players in the league will be his son's age, like literally his oldest son, uh, Bronny. He might and be Bron- playing with Bronny Bron- for he, a year or two He might be first. the owner, or he might be playing with him, but he could also be the owner who signs his own son and it's legitimately an NBA talent. That is true. Which is a crazy idea, scenario to think about, but I could see it happening. And I think this game, I'm not sure how much more LeBron has left. I'm not saying he's done, but maybe he has three, four years. And he's going to play till at least he can play with Bronny or play versus Bronny. Either or. It it seems to be his, like he has set a goal. Whether he keeps going past that goal is more of the question. Well, I actually think this season and this All-Star game are a representation of that because he played, no, I think, no minutes in the second half. He never wanted to do the All-Star yeah, game. He, he, he called said, it a slap in the face. From up front, you basically lied to us. COVID's a big thing. Doesn't make any sense. And I don't feel there mentally at all. So he came in there Physically. like what a boss does, showed his face for a little bit. Say, hey, y'all. Say, what's good? It's like, actually, I'm the coach now. I'm going to be over here with the clipboard. And everybody was like, bet, we ain't going to see LeBron at all. I was moving on from that, though. I was shocked by the 16 for 16 for Giannis and him hitting threes. And I'm like, three of them. I'm like, try this in a real game, though, Giannis. That's what we need. That's what we need. 
I he does try it in a real game. He just don't hit them. What you? <laughs> I mean? need him to okay. He I need try. him to hit he them. Hard, I need him Demarcus. to hit them in a real game. He trying his best, but but because the sixteen for sixteen, I was not surprised he got the MVP. But if he had even been fifteen to sixteen, I have no doubt Steph gets it. Everyone, okay. everyone was there for Steph, and I think the only thing that got Giannis was sixteen for sixteen, and it had never been done before. How mad do you think Steph was that he missed his half court shot? To ice the game, and, and then Dame turned around and just whoop. knowing Steph, not net. I don't think he was upset that. I think he was more upset that he didn't make it himself than the fact that Dame made it. Okay. I think that's the kind of player Steph is. But overall, I enjoyed the game for the most part. I told you all the interactions with players that you normally don't see together on the same team, like Steph and LeBron, was really cool for me to watch. I thought it was okay. I still think it shouldn't have happened, but I see why they wanted it to happen. Now, the one thing we did not get into about this is Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, mm-hmm. right? Like the barbers strike again. They struck before the Super Bowl. They struck the Rockets. They we need barbers to get vaccinated. <laughs> they need to be the next Yo, group. <laughs> they are they they are critical <laughs> super spreaders, like. No, I'm not kidding. This is serious. This like, is a, yeah. this is a problem. <laughs> yeah, like my barber like got a private suite thing that he's working out of now, and I'm like, okay, that's actually hella cool. Because yeah, especially if you work in a shop with eight people, eight chairs or whatever. Yeah, we've been, uh, we we've all been. It's not a great place for social distancing. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of wild. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, uh, basically same day being pulled from the game because of COVID contract contact tracing protocols and their interaction with this barber. I do think I what were both of them on team Katie. I want to say yes, but at least one of them was real quick though. What if the NBA hadn't caught it and they had to then do contact tracing for all of the top stars in the league. That would have been insane. Everybody would have been like, we told you so the players would have been like, we told you so. But it did not happen. They apparently they tested everybody three times on Sunday. Like, yeah, no, they were not. Oh, they playing. were like, we make it sure, 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 <laughs> yes, sure, sure, sure. Triple check. Adam Silver said this is not the NFL or MLB. <laughs> Let them he didn't know. Have to talk that kind of shit. Although he, he got to talk it up and talk it. What you mean? He's the best commissioner in sports. Oh, by far, by far, by far. He's like he ain't got to talk it. I'm gonna talk it. Like so. It was, it was a big hiccup to start the night, and it did not impact the rest of the night. It might have just impacted the quality of the actual game because of the way it hurt the rosters. But it's the All Star Game, so we didn't expect. We've quality. been a, we we, we are accustomed mid. to that sometimes. Yes. Okay. That that was our All Star recap. Let us know how you all felt about this All Star Sunday. Sunday. All Star Sunday. And last but not least, you hear about that uh, random girl that started the GoFundMe because she was trapped in Atlanta going there for All-Star Weekend? No, but you know, if you can't pay, don't go. Uh, Or the people that were partying in U-Hauls in Atlanta during All-Star Weekend. Yo, look, the one thing that cannot be stopped is niggas with no common sense. (laughs) (laughs) What? I, I just thought it was funny. 
Can you please continue? <laughs> the one thing that cannot be stopped is niggas with no common sense. There were people like partying in U-Hauls, crashing them and shit, going down there for All-Star Weekend. Clearly, this person that set up their GoFundMe because they had no way to get back. It's just like, A, it was not going to be as big as the previous All-Star Weekends were. You should have known better. B, nigga, what the fuck are y'all doing partying the U-Haul outside of the arena like there's shit going on in the arena? There's literally nothing going on. Just go to a hotel. I I was amazed, but not surprised at the stupidity that I saw this Sunday. Well, particularly in Atlanta. Not surprised at all. <laughs> but, hey, live once. Not if you keep acting like that. <laughs> playboy affair welcome to the final segment of our show the heart of our show ballers bouquets too often in the media people only want to focus on the negative and salacious things athletes do and never want to give them their credit where credit is due here we like to make a change yeah and on this week's ballers bouquet we're going to the city of philadelphia where i am sure joel Embiid is still at because he was contact traced out of the all-star game along with his running mate, Ben Simmons. But despite his situation, right, not necessarily positive, he still decided to open up his heart and his wallet. And for that, Joel Embiid is this week's Ballers Bouquet. So as we've said around here, we like to give people their flowers while they can still smell them. And so for Joel, still a young player, multiple-time All-Star, the centerpiece of the Philadelphia 76ers, and, you know, was supposed to be down in Atlanta for All-Star game this past weekend. All-Star Sunday. Sunday. All-Star Sunday. And didn't make it. He had a barber incident. Barbers are the most dangerous well, if, niggas. If you go in into the Atlanta, world. you got to have your fresh cut. So he was getting his fresh cut. Barber had a COVID exposure, so Joel could not go. I don't believe he has COVID, but he, he took some time to help those who have been impacted by COVID. So Joel donated over one hundred thousand dollars to multiple organizations in the Philadelphia area that help serve the homeless population. Those organizations include Project Home, Sunday Breakfast Mission, and Youth Services Incorporated. And overall, that $100,000 is going to go to a lot of different causes for homeless people that are going to really improve their life. But we have a quote from Joel, who after the donation said, so many have fallen on such hard times during the pandemic. I felt it was important to provide more support for individuals and families struggling with homelessness and uh, food shortages and insecurity. I'm continually grateful for all the support the people of Philadelphia and the fans have given me, not just around the All-Star, but also all my years in the league. I will continue to help in any way I can. And that $100,000 that he gave is going to go toward 15,000 meals for homeless and underserved individuals. He's going to have over 4,000 essential clothing items for homeless teens and adults. He is going to provide care and treatment for 1,000 homeless individuals who have um, received COVID-19 vaccines. It's going to go towards supporting 30 formerly homeless families 
including education, healthcare, and employment services. It is going to go toward uh, providing six weeks of summer camp for over 50 homeless and at-risk youth, as well as shelter and essential needs for over 300 teens facing homelessness and home insecurity. So obviously this $100,000 is going to go a very long way. We know that we've talked about this problem here the last few weeks on our our, our podcast that the situation both in Texas and Mississippi and other places where homelessness is just a big deal year round, despite any natural disaster or catastrophe, they need our help. Many people are vulnerable. You know, we have this misconception that if you for some reason have fallen down on your luck, it is because you don't work hard enough. And that's absolutely not the case. There are military veterans. There are single mothers. There's all kinds of people. There are students who've been kicked out of their, their parents' homes, et cetera, who need our help. Here on the Flyer Out Pod, we support this goal. We ourselves have donated money to local Dallas organizations to help our homeless. And you too can donate. Any little bit helps. And there are two organizations that are national that you can donate to. The first is the National Coalition for Homelessness. And the second is the National Coalition for Homeless Veterans. Any little donation to either of these organizations will go a very long way to helping all the homeless people in our country find safe shelter and food. So please go donate and make sure that you give your flowers while people can still smell them. That's this week's Ballers Bouquet. What's up, playboy? All right. That is it for episode 26 of the Fly Route Podcast. As always, we want to say we appreciate each and every single one of you for giving us your time and listening to what we have to say. We want you all to be on the lookout. We have some exclusive video-only content coming out soon on our YouTube channel. That means we want you to subscribe, hit the notification bell so you can be informed as soon as it drops. We are going to get into a lot of big issues that we have been getting requests from from listeners, and we think that's a kind of good addition to the overall brand. Well, more importantly, we're going to be getting into the NFL draft that's coming up. That is huge. If you want to know who your team is going to pick, make sure you subscribe and listen to both our podcast and our videos. The video content will be exclusive to video and it will not be included in our normal podcast on Spotify and Apple podcast. So make sure you do hit that notification bell. We will see you next Friday. The, 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 the fly route pod, the fly route pod, the fly route pod, the fly route pod.